You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. sponsored by Smart Water, but I feel like I should be, this giant water bottle. Um, (laughs) How's everyone feeling this morning? Yeah? Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I always ask my kids when I teach, on a scale of thumbs up to thumbs down, where are you feeling today? Okay, okay. Thank you for that honesty. I love it. All right. Um, I'm going to take a sip of water before we start. So as Josh mentioned, we are in the third week of our Lent series called Through the Wilderness. If you haven't yet picked up one of these wilderness devotional books, they should be on the seats. And if you're tuning in online, you can find it at forefrontnyc.com media. Uh, I really, really recommend these. I really haven't been enjoying it. And our current sermon series is actually following the trajectory that is in this booklet. So it's really, really specific to what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, which is awesome. And it's called wilderness. When I hear the word wilderness, I'm immediately thinking loneliness, confusion, maybe fear. Maybe it's because I'm not the most outdoorsy type, but wilderness in my mind is intrinsically tied to feeling lost. And this week's topic is never alone. Never alone in that which leaves me feeling lonely. There's an oxymoron for you. (laughs) The simple answer would be, you're never alone when you have Jesus in your heart. (laughs) Smile, close my notebook, end of sermon. (laughs) But raise your hand if you agree that being in the wilderness isn't quite that simple. Yeah. The wilderness, the literal wilderness, is unpredictable. And even the most experienced hiker, there would be obstacles that challenge you and maybe even throw you off course. Bless you. (laughs) So let's look at John 4, starting um, verse 5. And really quick, I want to note that um, in the scripture today, I'll be using she, her pronouns and mother instead of father when we refer to God, um, even though it's written as father in the text. So this is Jesus talking with a Samaritan woman. So we came to a town in Samaria. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing these wrong. Google had multiple suggestions, so just go with me here. (laughs) So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans in this time. Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as, he, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answers, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the mother, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the mother in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the mother seeks. God is spirit, and her worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. All right, this is a long text. So a few notes on this. Jesus is tired and resting while his disciples go off to look for food. And I don't know this for sure, but I just kind of have a feeling that Jesus could probably have performed some miracle to just get water from the well, right? Yeah, I'm seeing some head nods. And he probably didn't need to speak to the Samaritan woman. But instead, he chose to connect. And not just connect with anyone. He chose to connect with someone from an opposite culture from who he represented in his human body. And not just someone, but a woman. This is the longest conversation that Jesus has had with a woman up until this point. And it's a woman who the disciples surely would not have initiated conversation with. And then to top it all off, this is the first time that Jesus says that he is the Messiah. This story continues with the disciples returning. They see Jesus speaking with this woman. They're probably flabbergasted. She leaves her water jar and runs back to town and tells everyone of her encounter. The verses continue. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of her who sent me and to finish her work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. 
Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So the sower and the reaper may be glad together. A sower plants a seed and the reaper gathers the harvest. Both serve a purpose. Each character in this story has their own wilderness that they're in the midst of, but everyone's playing a part. What Jesus says to his disciples makes me think of the beauty that comes from pooling resources and culture sharing instead of muscling through on our own without asking for help. Even if we can do something alone, should we? Do we have to? Jesus asked this woman for help, and the ripple effect of the conversation is remarkable. After she told her town of this encounter, the Samaritans went to find Jesus, and he ended up staying with them for two days. These people became believers. And verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. How freaking cool is that, you guys? This seed that Jesus planted in the Samaritan woman allows so many more to reap the benefits of meeting and believing in the Messiah. Jesus asked this woman for help, for some water, and as a result, one of the first evangelists was a five-time married Samaritan woman. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, we can get applause for that. <laughs> um, and I love this quote from Slot's Tool in one of our um, resources for the series. They say, sometimes it takes a wilderness encounter outside of our typical lives to break us out of our patterns. As Josh mentioned in the announcements, we have an event coming up uh, called Lent Connects Culture Share Night. And this was planned well before I started writing this sermon, but it's so fitting. What could someone else gain by you sharing something from your culture? What could you gain by learning from someone else? Or better yet, how would you feel watching someone else benefit from something you were able to share with them or to teach them. John 4:36 so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Our second piece of scripture today is from Exodus 17:1 through 7. This is the story of water from the rock. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from a place from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to test? But the people were thirsty for water, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Why? Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answers Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Oreb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled 
and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Water flows from this rock in the wilderness, and Moses names the place Masa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling. Testing and quarreling definitely seem like an accurate description of wilderness to me. And yet, water flows. In the midst of fear and frustration, a miracle happens. In this story, God helps the Israelites believe by providing literal water in the wilderness. Literal water is what brings Jesus and the Samaritan woman together at the well, but it's the living water that flows through the town, creating a whole new group of believers. Then there's the metaphorical wilderness and water. Are you thinking about what wilderness you are currently going through? Or maybe you've recently gone through? Take a second to think about that. Really think about it. If you're taking notes, maybe write it down. Imagine it. I've definitely gone through my fair share of wilderness moments in my life thus far. I'm not even 30, and usually my wilderness moments are in relation to my health. I've mentioned it a few times in the comments section during prayer. But this wilderness that I'm in, it's really, really hard to put into words. It's hard to keep it short and sweet because I don't know the way out. I don't know what the path that I'm on, where it's going to lead me or take me. I really don't. I don't have the answers. And that is testing me big time, you guys. And if I'm being really honest, (laughs) on the really, really bad days, it leaves me testing God. I don't like to admit that, but it's the truth. I think based on the head nods, you've been there too. And we don't want to admit that when we're in church, but if I'm not honest, how can we learn? How can we grow from each other, right? (laughs) You see, at some point, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, some of you know that I'm sick, but not everyone does. So just to recap a little bit, at some point in the middle of the pandemic, really like out of nowhere, I started to experience these really weird health problems that I've never experienced before. Chronic pain and chronic fatigue, like to the point that sometimes it's hard to walk. I started to experience this and I rapidly started gaining weight and gaining weight, I want to say, this is not a fat phobic sermon, right? Gaining weight is, there's no problem with that. When it happens, abruptly, when you haven't changed anything about your movement or your diet, it's really scary. I gained weight so quickly that I felt like a balloon that was ready to pop because someone put in too much air, like stretching my skin. It hurt so bad. And for those that don't know, I was a professional dancer pre-pandemic, but suddenly here I was with my ankle swelling just from walking around my house. And the scariest moment was actually here at church one day when we were setting up and my entire leg went completely numb. I had to buy a cane that day. I could go on with my symptoms, but this isn't a doctor's visit, it's a sermon. (laughs) So you could probably imagine the amount of quarreling that I've been going through, right? I've been fighting with myself, with my limitations, with my doctors. 
I've been trying to hold back, not perfectly, but trying to hold back from fighting with people who I know love me, but just don't understand or forget that I'm sick because I don't look chronically ill or I don't look disabled, whatever that means. I'm in the middle of this serious metaphorical wilderness right now, and it isn't a past tense story. I've gotten some diagnoses so far, and that's great. And I'm on some medication that seems to maybe be helping, and that's great. But I'm not out of the woods yet. And while I normally would like to come up here and preach some past story of something that I've already gone through, I've learned from, and I'm out on the other end to give you this story of hope, like I said earlier, that is just not what's calling me today to talk to you about. We're talking about wilderness, and we're talking about loneliness, and when I hear those words, I think about my health stuff right now. Leveling with you like this doesn't mean that there's no hope, though. There's water somewhere in your story. There just has to be. I have to believe that. Rock climbing has been my water on the rock. (laughs) My health issues are definitely still here, and on high pain days, like I said, I do walk with a cane, uh, try my best not to be too embarrassed to use it in public. Internalized ableism, I hear it, I know. But for whatever reason, rock climbing is the one form of exercise that doesn't send my body into a flare-up. I don't know why, my doctors don't know why, but I'm gonna roll with it, right? And it brings me so much joy to know that I have an outlet. When I don't know anything else about what's coming next, I know I can go rock climbing. It's simple, but it keeps me hopeful. I started climbing on my own and I had no idea what I was doing. But I've made so many new friends along the way because I stepped out of my comfort zone and I tried. I decided I have to keep going, so I'm going to try to find joy somewhere. And there's this really great quote from uh, Juliana Classens. It's significant to note, as in the story of God's provision of food in Exodus 16, the wilderness is still there. In Exodus 17, the people are experiencing God's provision in the form of water gushing from the rock, even though the wilderness is still all around them. With regard to liturgical time, one could say that we will still dwell a long time in Lent before Easter comes. Waiting, dwelling through Lent until Easter comes, that sounds really bleak. During the meet and greet, we asked about a time that you felt tested and how you responded if you were someone who went to seek support or solitude. I'm not saying that either choice is actually better than the other, but being alone for a long period of time in the midst of dwelling sounds really, really lonely to me. But on the other hand, being surrounded by others when you're being tested sometimes brings out the worst in us. I know it doesn't me. Maybe you're someone who gets short with others or you end up quarreling with the ones you love most because you're redirecting your frustrations with your wilderness to whoever's standing in front of you. Maybe you quarrel with yourself or with God. Sometimes embracing solitude in the wilderness brings you ultimate connection in ways that you can't even imagine until you're living it. My best friend, Jill, 
has been planning to through hike the AT for years and uh, the Appalachian Trail. And she plans to do this and fulfill this in 2023. She will have done every ounce of preparation that she can think of. She plans to start the trail with a friend, but ultimately she hopes to do much more, much of the trail by herself. Uh, talk about being tested in the wilderness. <laughs> I um, had the opportunity to visit her uh, earlier this week and I asked her, why? <laughs> And she said, well, I won't really be alone alone. So many hikers will be doing it alone beside me. I don't know what I was expecting her to say, but her answer really struck me. She said she hopes to do most of it alone so that she can choose her pace, rely on herself in split decision moments. But the big reason for her is that by going alone, she'll be more inclined to make connections with other hikers along the way. If she only hiked with her group of friends that she really knows well, it would be really easy to just stick with them, right? But by going alone, she's forcing herself to meet a stranger. What rich culture sharing awaits her on that trail? A bonus reason for hiking the AT alone for her includes finding some kind of enlightenment, of course clarity on what will be next in life. Wilderness, nature, solitude can bring a lot of people into a place of meditation, so it makes sense that hiking for months straight might bring some clarity. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that we all need to go hike the 2,000 plus mile Appalachian Trail to find enlightenment, but if you do or already have, I wanna hear all about it. You're amazing, I will not be joining you. <laughs> But I do wonder if we can learn something from those who seek out the wilderness, seek out solitude, and come out on the other end feeling more connected with themselves, with others, with God than ever before. So I asked you what your current wilderness is. Do you remember what you said to yourself or wrote down? Instead of being tunnel vision or sinking a little too deep into the darkness of that solitude? What would happen if you looked up or out and around you? Who will be getting water from the well right in front of you? Will you accept the chance to learn from someone different from you, share resources and experiences? For many of us, avoiding the wilderness altogether that's a privilege, and it really isn't an option for us. We need to endure Lent before Easter comes. So while we do that, remember that we do that together. Maybe alone, but alongside each other, like the hikers on the AT, or together, together, like the Israelites in the place of Masa and Meribah, testing and quarreling witnessing water gush from a rock amidst the rest of the wilderness yet to be restored. Whatever it is, I encourage you, whenever you just don't see the way forward, try and find the ripples of hope. 
Maybe it will be something magical and massive, like water gushing from a rock. Or maybe it will be something smaller, like picking up a new hobby, like rock climbing. God is constantly revealing herself to us along the way, and sometimes it is easier to see than others. Our wilderness may test us so much that God is extra hard to find. I've been there. But her whispers are constant. So yes, what I joked about in the beginning still stands true. You're never truly alone when you have Jesus in your heart. (laughs) But you're also never truly alone because you have your brilliant minds, your body, the experiences that have carried you and taught you and strengthened you up until this point to prepare you. And you have other people around you, always in some capacity. They may be strangers today, but will they be strangers tomorrow? They don't have to be. Whatever whisper of God you hear or piece of hope that you find, take pause and really witness it. Because no matter how small it may seem, it's another clue from the divine that you are on the right path, one foot in front of the other until the next whisper is found. And maybe, just maybe, being open to those moments will make your current wilderness feel a little less lonely, a little less scary, a little less lost. I'm going to pray for us now, and I invite those of you who are tuning in online to start dropping your prayer requests in the comments. And as we pray, I invite you to think about your current wilderness again. Dear God, thank you for constantly giving us your whispers. We may not always see them, but we know you are there. You know each and every person's current wilderness, whatever that may be, and even if others can't see it, you see it and you know. I I ask you, Lord, to please fill everyone listening today with your spirit and enough strength to look up, look out, look around, and witness a ripple of hope. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.